I am Wayne Ackerson, and you are listening to The Secrets of Business Intelligence. In each podcast, we interview a leading practitioner in the business intelligence field and ask them the secrets of their success. Our guest today on our inaugural show is Kevin Sonsky, Senior Director of Business Intelligence at Citrix Systems. During the past 11 years in which Sonsky has run the BI program at Citrix, he has implemented an enterprise-wide self-service reporting environment that has delivered deeper insights into customer purchasing behavior. Meanwhile, Kevin and his two-person team have established a grassroots governance program that has successfully standardized on dozens of key metrics and reports used throughout the company. According to Sonsky, it takes years of perseverance, strong executive support, and user-friendly technology to achieve business intelligence success. So Kevin, thanks for joining our show today. It's glad to have you here. Good to be here. Thanks, Wayne. Uh, so a long time ago, probably a year and a half ago, you told me something that's always stuck in my head ever since. You said self-service BI requires a lot of hand-holding. Could you explain what you mean by that? Sure. And and you, you wrote something actually recently that talked about uh, overuse and underuse of BI. And at the time, I think my comments about requiring a lot of hand-holding was, uh, you know, attributed primarily to underuse, and um, my sentiments were equally associated with overuse. So we see both of those behaviors at Citrix, uh, but I think the one we feel the most pain from is probably around overuse, which is why we've been running a formal and relatively successful standardized metrics and reporting program for the last year. So it's been enormously helpful, and I think that falls into the category of addressing the report proliferation problem that you explain when you talk about overuse. Underuse certainly requires the introductory training and hand-holding as well, but a lot of the hand-holding in the overuse area where we're showing very seasoned but somewhat siloed teams the standardized definitions, data sources, and reports so that we're all on the same page. What were the symptoms of the overuse that caused you or impelled your team to to take some action? So I think what happened with us is similar to a lot of companies is we had made substantial investments over the prior years and have built up a repository of an awful lot of data and data stores in our environments, and it became a bit overwhelming, I think, to a lot of the users over time. So you got to a situation where there was this chaos and sprawl of reports and metrics and analytics all over the place that was really, you know, causing us to stop, reflect, and say, we need to put a little bit of order around this. You could, you could say that that was the, what, what I'm term, terming overuse, and we have to bring a little bit more organization to the chaos. So. Uh, that was really the symptom that we had seen. And uh, we didn't want to take away the self-service that led to that. Very, very valuable for everybody to be able to do their jobs, to be able to be close to the data as the subject matter experts in their field. But we wanted to make sure that as you went up the management stack, the management chain, that there was integrity and understanding and confidence in the numbers they're seeing. Were you seeing a proliferation of data sets or a proliferation of reports or both? Definitely both. Um, reports was probably the most 
prominent invisible um, uh, um, symptom, I guess, that we saw, where you really could just, you know, you, you kind of saw even in the, in the reporting environment the ability for folks to publish reports um, without going through any vetting process, uh, whether it's within their own department or even shared uh, cross-functionally. So the reports was probably the most tangible manifestation of that. But you also saw folks standing up their own SQL databases, perhaps recognizing that there were some limitations or concerns around how the data was modeled in our standardized systems, and so people took it upon themselves to create their own versions of those things as well. Uh, now, you're obviously a big user of Tableau. Was Tableau in, in any way a, a contribute to this kind of report sprawl and data chaos, or it, that's just endemic to self-service in and of itself, do you think? Yeah, I mean, you know, these are the pros and cons of having a tool that you can pick up almost like Excel and, and just start going with it. Uh, doesn't require a ton of training, doesn't require IT, and that's a wonderful thing. It allows people to move fast. It allows people to get their questions answered. It allows people to scale. Uh, the flip side of that is they can go off on their own and there's nothing to stop them. <laughs> so it's one of those enabling technologies that uh, that you have to recognize may come at a at a certain cost, and as long as you can establish a program to kind of put some uh, some guardrails, some clarity around that, and, and have people understand that with you know sort of the what is it the the Spider-Man quote with great power comes great responsibility, and if you can kind of get people there, um, you can you can still make it work even with a powerful tool like that. You were very successful in standardizing metrics and dimensions and, and even tools with a team of three, which seems like miraculous to me. <laughs> How are you able to kind of corral people to start uh, agreeing to standard types of data objects and things like that? So to be, to be clear, while I only have three folks, uh, we work across a virtual team of many business and IT folks to accomplish what we have. And it's really been years of setting the table with everything from establishing, let's call it less formal governance teams and partnering and building relationships with the decentralized operations teams across each function where we demonstrated that we weren't a threat to their efforts, uh, even when they were a little off the reservation at times. But we avoided uh, judging, and we would offer ourselves as a service to help them accomplish their objectives while making sure we can align with the rest of the company. And over time, they see value in that service. But to your question, the, the accelerated progress we've seen over the past couple of years can be attributed, I would say, primarily to tone at the top. And uh, you know, wish I could take a ton of credit for that, but the executive sponsorship, most recently at the CEO level, our, new, our CEO joined Citrix at the beginning of this past year, uh, and before then, from even some new leadership that came in on finance and across some other functional groups, that new executive sponsorship has had a profound impact on the pace and the direction of our BI governance efforts. So all the work we were doing in the years leading up to it 
sometimes it uh, it felt like an old adage if the tr if a tree falls in the woods and there's no one there to hear it doesn't make a sound we weren't really sure if we were making an impact even though we knew we were doing the right things and then when the new leadership teams demanded that we be data driven making data driven decisions um, working all off of a single version of the truth it really paid off and we had already laid the groundwork we had that foundation to be able to accelerate so explain what that foundation is. What actually did you build? What was in place when the new CEO came in and changed the tone? So even, yeah, so even when he had come in, we had already started to establish, for example, we'll call it somewhat less formal governance committees. So we'd identified leaders uh, representing each functional group who would be part of a, of a, of a team where we would use them to drive standardization discussions and facilitate uh, prioritization reviews and um, help work together on the BI strategy and uh, even, even, even engagement with IT and technology as well. Um, we had already um, established ownership for certain metrics and subject areas. You know, these are the teams that you'd go to for this kind of information. These are the teams you'd go to for that. These are some of the best practices and why you might use this tool over another. Here is how you look at our data sets and how you should be using those data sets. So some of those pieces were all in place, but I think before the new leadership, they were sort of there as a, hey, here's something to to, to use or hear something that's available, maybe some use it, maybe some don't, and it's just so hard we can push. I think once the new tone at the top was sent, the, the, the real flip or the switch is that now those teams were actively looking for those, uh, for those uh, formal rules of engagement, for those tools and capabilities, because then those, those folks really want to align with the rest of the company. They don't want to be the, the, the nail that looks like it's sticking out. So um, it meant the engagement with us and the engagement with each other uh, became a lot more productive. Was this for all metrics across the company or just enterprise metrics? Yeah, I'd say it was mostly opportunistic. So, you know, we didn't have this master plan of, you know, this is what we're going to to tackle first and, and, and you know, a three-year kind of strategy to, to get there. It was what is the what are the areas of focus for the company? Perhaps it's an area of focus for the executives. Perhaps it's one of the what are the areas that are causing us the most angst? What are the areas that are that seem to be debated all the time? We seem to have multiple versions of the truth floating around, and really looking for those um, eager participants from the business who want to work with you, and and be able to to uh, to, to make progress. So those are the areas that we focused on first. So how did you get these guys to actually agree? It's one thing to uh, agree in principle to agree, but it's another to actually hammer out a consensus on some gnarly items, you know, like w w what's a new customer or what's a lost customer, things of that sort, which I believe you, you grappled with. When the executive team or the leadership team sets a tone of aligning in order to make better decisions, it cascades down to the teams below them. Their objectives now are to make sure that they're aligning with their counterparts and other functional groups. Now, that's not to say there aren't very strong opinions that come to these uh, meetings, but 
my team can help serve as an objective uh, facilitation. And so we can come in and kind of understand each of the team's perspectives. We also can bring a lot of perspective to the table. And that's really the role that we play is each team is coming with their own uh, specific requirements and perhaps their own uh, needs. But we can come in and look across enterprise-wide and say, well, maybe we take some uh, best practices from this group or we take some um, sound logic that this group is, is bringing up, and we come to a compromise, and it's all about discussing why, what, the, what are the merits of one methodology over another. And you know, at some point, you get to a mincing of immaterial differences. And the folks that are at the table begin to realize that the value of coming to agreement over the, the last mile is far more beneficial than, than debating the last few areas of minutia. And you get there. It's, it's tough, though. It's not easy, right? It's, uh, if, if, if it was easy, everybody would be doing it. <laughs> when people did come to agreement, and I know that one of the first metrics you, you tackled was bookings, and then it was new customer accounts, what was the result? What, what happened differently? Yeah, so it was important for us to identify a tangible deliverable at the end of the exercise. So uh, what we had set out was that this is all activity towards an end. And what is that end? That end was to stand up a standardized report, something that everybody could access that reflected what was the certified version of that particular data point or that particular metric, and who's going to own it, and what's the agreed upon data source, and what is, what's the logic and methodology behind that. And then actually certify it, publish it, make it available, available to people. So that, that was the end, the, the, the end state. Now, that didn't take away all of the self-service benefits. So we told people very clearly, this does not mean you can't continue to do your own analytics. But you now know that your reports or your analytics need to tie to something. It's an anchor report that's sitting out there that everybody, you know, including the executives, can access. And you need to be sure you're using the same logic and you're using the same methodology. And if you have questions, you know who to go to. And you know what data source to use, what filters to use, what logic to use. So you said you essentially certified a report. So did you apply a watermark or, or a seal to this report or reports? We, yeah, we used a, a low-tech uh, low method. I mean, what we did was we came up with a little logo um, where we, we identified a visual stamp that we would put on the header of the reports that had gone through the formal certification process. And this provides the consumer, whoever's consuming that report, the confidence that the data is trusted and it's gone through the proper cross-functional vetting. The stamp looks a little bit like those round grade A, B stamps you might see on meat products, and it says certified for enterprise standards. And um, not only is it meaningful for the consumers of the reports, who obviously they get that confidence now, but it's a for it becomes a forcing function for those involved in the governance process. You asked about you know, what actually happens at the end. Well, when you actually are ready to stamp something and put it to bed, you, you, there's sort of a, a moment of speak now or forever, forever hold your peace. So it may cause some of those who are part of that process to think a little harder 
about how comfortable they are with something being out there. And that might reveal disconnects that you may not have uncovered if you didn't formalize it too much. Um, if it was a more passive approval process, which we've had in the past, kind of gives people an out. You know, well, this thing's out there, but I kind of still do my own thing. But when you sort of have to put this certification stamp on there, it puts a little bit more sense of importance on it. And it does cause people to stop, think, and then really be sure that, it, that, that we're all on the same page. So this report, let's say Bookings report, is that how, how many metrics or data points are in that that you certified? Well, there's a there's there's a dozens or so reports that are on on a on a certified published portal. Uh, Bookings just happens to be one of them. There's many metrics that are in various reports that are published out there. Um, on the the particular bookings report that you're asking about, it could be anything from what were the actual bookings by you know a variety of dimensions, product lines and geos, as well as attainment against certain booking plan numbers and year-over-year -year growth rates. Now, is the IT team or your team responsible for maintaining that report and making sure the data is accurately uh, displayed in it? No, so for every report that we get published on there, we have a business owner. And that's from the functional groups. It's not from IT, and it's not from my team either. So we don't, you know, my team doesn't own data. We don't own the reports. And so we identify actually sitting next to the, if you were to go onto that portal next to the report, you'd see the name of the owner. Uh, and they're responsible for making sure that it's current, maintained, kept up to date, perhaps refreshed, depending on what the refresh cycle is on that data. Now, as a governance body, we'll, we will go into the catalog and obviously make sure that there is stewarding going on for these reports. If it's really business users maintaining the report or some technical folks in the business unit? It's generally business people updating the reports. Now, if there's some change in the business, that requires some logic changes perhaps to a script or to a database or to the data model, then we would engage with IT or IT-like resources in the business. That's a common output of the governance and standardization process, especially in the early stages. Come up with a new metric or a new report that we decide, hey, this is going to be a good candidate for us to make sure we can standardize on. And as we start to have discussions between different stakeholders in the business, we start to reveal nuances between teams that perhaps we can't overcome with just creating a, a report. <clears throat> and so sometimes those require enhancements to our data model. Sometimes that requires a new feed from a new data source or logic to be written, a SQL script. So that's when IT would be engaged for uh, helping us close the gaps in some of those areas. What's the level of the people who are on these governance committees? They're generally, generally they're director level. They'll work, they'll, they'll assign their teams sometimes below them for as subject matter experts as we dive maybe deeper into a particular subject area. But we ask the approval process to be generally at the director level. Do these groups also standardize tools? They're involved only occasionally in, in tool discussions. Um, we will have specific discussions on the format of the report that might get standardized. And quite frankly, sometimes it's an Excel report, and that might be just fine. 
And that's sometimes, you know, again, part of the discussions. But as far as the tools in the enterprise-wide toolkit, um, how did Tableau become standardized or, or our, one of our standardized tools and probably the most pr pr prominent one? Um, I, I don't want the podcast to turn into too much of an infomercial, but the buy-in on that tool gets a lot easier when the product works and speaks for itself, which, which Tableau does. So we had a couple of legacy applications from the larger enterprise solution providers, which I'm sure everybody knows by name, but they never really had uh, the, the, the capabilities that the business users could use from day to day. They often required a lot of IT intervention and significant training and expertise. And so average users picked up Tableau the way you might pick up Excel, which you know, really is transformational. We, we also ensured that users felt supported. So even as strong as the tool was, in the early days we had users asking us, hey, is IT going to support this thing? Or where are we going to have uh, a broad user community to help with you know, best practices and, and all that kind of stuff? I think they were concerned that they didn't want to be left out on their own. They wanted to make sure that they were part of something that they were going to have a community and, and, a, and a support structure around you know, when it comes to upgrades and best practices and support. So uh, with IT support, we ensured that this was going to be treated as a top-tier enterprise application, particularly once we saw the uptick in, in usage happening. And then we supported it accordingly. So I don't know that it became the standardization because our CIO or somebody you know, put their hand down or made some formal proclamation. It really be was much more organic than that. And frankly, you know, nothing else has really come close to being as ubiquitous. Now, did you guys bring Tableau in, or did it become a, the default tool uh, of choice from from the business? Well, uh, both. I mean, I we actually my team had actually is the first one that got the very first license five or so years ago, and we had uh, really looked at it as something to try and solve the particular pain point we were having. It was really brought in almost like any to new tool, right? It's brought in to solve a, a problem. We weren't looking for our enterprise standard. We were just looking for something that might solve the problem. And that problem was that after several years of investments in building out our BI and data repositories, the users were at a point where there was a lot of data available, and now what do you do with it? And how do I access it? And how do I interact with it? And we looked at Tableau to fill that particular need, and, and it, it did beautifully. And you, you, know, you ask, how did you come to standardize on, on it? That, in, that sort of indicates it's our only tool, which, again, it's the most prominent one, but um, it's certainly uh, n not, not necessarily the only one. But it really came about by, by just pure word of mouth and customer sec success. So we, we showed people this and said, hey, Here's an option for you. By the way, if you want to buy a desktop license, you're going to have to buy it out of your own call center because there isn't a centralized purchasing function that's going to buy this for you. Um, and and uh, it really was, was not really driven from the top down or, or pushed by, by IT. Uh, but in the early days, um, I was collaborating with our IT leaders who were really su supportive from the start. And uh, we wanted to make sure that as the growth was accelerating that we had a proper enterprise infrastructure. 
and licensing arrangement to support the growing user base. And then that's when we really built out something that was more enterprise class. I know a number of companies who are clients of mine have Tableau and they've kind of gotten overwhelmed with the Tableau data extracts and they're unable to really stay in front of that. It doesn't sound like that has afflicted your company. So it's funny that you asked that. I think, I think we, we are afflicted somewhat by that. Um, you, can, you can say it's extracts, but you can even just say it's just reports that are querying um, data sources. Uh, and folks created stuff, threw it out onto the Tableau server, and maybe they forgot about it or went and created something else, but those extracts or those old reports are still trying to run or still trying to query and taking up resources. So um, we're actually working with IT who is looking at cleaning up some of the, you know, they, there's some pretty good BI on BI uh, that, that we have to be able to understand what are the reports that are being used or what are the data sources that are being used and go through some, uh, some cleanup effort there. So what would you say are the keys to supporting a community of self-service users uh, at Citrix? So it probably goes back to the first question you asked or you mentioned about, you know, comments about self-service requires a lot of hand-holding. And it really does. I mean, you, you really do have to put proper attention, I think, to making people understand the data uh, well because, you know, even if you educate them on the front-end tool, if they don't really understand the data model and the data sets behind it, um, then they can get into them, themselves into a bit of trouble. So we do spend time working with new users uh, and even some existing users to help them understand both the tools and the interaction with the data. We're certainly not experts on all the data either, so the other thing we do is we point people to folks who know better than us. Um, we try to document as much as we can, but of course, it's hard to find time to do all those proper things that will help people understand the data better. But we do try and do some of the documentation too. And then it's really just about keeping um, those business relationships active. I think the more we stay connected with those subject matter experts within each of the functional groups, the better we understand the data, the better we can serve the next set of users. Um, and the better we can kind of share that knowledge across the company. Great. Well, let's uh, go up a couple thousand feet here and take a broader perspective. A new BI director came to you, uh, was looking for advice on, on how to do his job or her job properly, uh, especially in terms of governing a self-service BI environment. What lessons or tips would you provide that person? I guess the first piece of advice I'd give would be to try and know your, your culture in, the, in your particular company. I think understanding where your company is on the spectrum of, you know, are you all the tops down command and control culture or is it more of a loose self-service based one? It will help you determine your approach and how far you can push in certain areas. In either case, uh, the, the best piece of advice is probably not to try to boil the ocean at first. I think if you're starting from scratch, you'd want to find an important use case. Typically, the characteristics of a good use case I think will be a, a key metric or data point that the executive team, maybe it's the CFO or the CEO, that they're focused on. 
Uh, perhaps it's a strategic to the company. But you don't want to pick one that isn't under dispute. You know, find one where there's a little hair on it, that where there's more than one version floating around because uh, perhaps there's more than one functional team that's actually reporting on it and they're reporting differently. You're going to solve a very real problem for them. Maybe it's a definition nobody can agree on. Maybe there's more than one data source that folks are pulling from. And I'd pick that one candidate and drive it and find eager participants within the business to work with you on it. So offer to do the legwork that they may not have time for. Document it. Facilitate the discussions between the departments. I'd also advise them to engage IT early so that they can get the business context for what may likely require their assistance later on to address. And agree on a very specific tangible deliverable as the output. I know we talked about that just before, but measure the success by, uh, of the process by that output. Maybe it's a particular report or dashboard that gets developed at the end of the process. And then at the end, just communicate and document that final resolution and ownership and success as broadly as you can. Try and share it, and uh, hopefully folks start coming to you, which is what we've experienced over time. Well, Kevin, that was a great summary of uh, how to govern a self-service environment. Thank you so much for participating on this podcast. Thank you, Wayne, for having me.